welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I want to talk a little bit this morning. We've been talking, obviously, over the last couple of months about things that uh, we've probably heard many times, things that we've things that I've preached many times, things that when we hear them we go, ah, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. But things that we need to be reminded of from time to time. And the message that I have for this morning is this, God is with me. And, And through our worship, we've been touching on that a little bit this morning, looking at the presence of God and and the idea that that God is with us and one of the one of the things that is really important and and I think one of the one of the songs that we sang this morning earlier while it's not my favorite song it does have a great message and it talks about fear and fear is one of the things that we deal with all the time isn't it fear is one of the things that is part of our life whether we want it to be or not uh, it's something that is is a universal thing. It's a kind of almost. Uh, I think it applies to every human being because it's one of those kind of instinctive, primal kind of things that come up in us um, in different situations, isn't it? You never go. We don't usually have to go looking for fear, do we? We don't usually have to go out and find things to be afraid of think particularly as uh, all through our life whether we're kids or whether we're adults or whether we're in the 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 latter years of of our life I think there are things that just come up and um, lead us into that place of uh, of being fearful Um, and we see it as a as a theme of humanity all throughout scripture don't we we see uh, all kinds of situations where people are afraid. There are something like uh, around 800 different references to the word fear or, or similar kinds of words. Um, talk about people being afraid, terrified, frightened, uh, all these kinds of things. It happens over and over again. And, and one of the things, I, one of the, the, the reasons I think that Scripture talks about it so much is because it is such a universal issue. It is not the kind of thing that we just deal with once uh, and then we're completely free from it forever and ever. Have you discovered that? Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we, we conquer one fear and, a, and another one kind of takes its place sometimes or um, we, we learn to trust God in a particular situation and then even often, I don't know if you're anything like me, sometimes we find the we're in this, a, a very similar kind of situation or even the same situation again and, and fear tries to raise its head again in us, doesn't it? One of the most common encouragements or exhortations from messengers of God, from prophets, from angels, even from God himself, is do not be afraid, isn't it? We see that over and over again when God speaks to people, uh, speaks to his people, one of the things that he most commonly says is, do not be afraid, do not fear, fear not. We used to sing that song many years ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of you, that's uh, showing my age a little bit, but um, uh, that, w- that was one of the ones that we used to 
I remember youth camps where I remember one youth camp at Taruna Bay and we sang that song and everyone was just getting into it and there was like stomping feet and banging chairs and it was just like it was pretty awesome. Were you there that year? We see characters in the Bible like Abraham uh, who had this kind of fear that he would die without any descendants, without any heirs. We see throughout that story of, of Abraham and, and the stuff that happened with Isaac and Ishmael and we read about Hagar who because of the animosity between Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac, Hagar and her son were sent off out into the wilderness to go fend for themselves if you remember the story and Hagar had this fear, would obviously be have been afraid that she was just going to came and said you know we, you're going to be looked after things are going to be okay that's in Genesis 21 when the Israelites remember when the Israelites had come out of slavery in Egypt and God had done all these amazing miracles and delivered them and then they get to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army's closing in from this side and they're backed against the the the, the Red Sea on this side and and fear just swept through that camp Moses encourages them says trust in the Lord the Lord will fight this battle for us uh, and God amazingly delivered them David was afraid for his life on so many occasions he was a young man who had been uh, anointed as the the king while the previous king was still on the throne uh, which is not a great place to be in in those days but Saul was hunting him down trying to kill him to protect his his place and uh and david um penned some amazing psalms throughout this time of being hunted and and persecuted and and chased after and his life being in danger and threatened and, and psalm 23 is one of those psalms when he writes and he writes words like this even when i walk through the darkest valley i will not be afraid for you are close beside me your rod and your staff protect and comfort me when Solomon inherited the kingdom from his father David David's advice to him was this uh, be strong and courageous and do the work don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God my God is with you he will not fail you or forsake you he will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly again and again jeremiah is another great example who's ever who knows the story of jeremiah it's not quite as popular he's a prophet and some of the things that are written in the book of jeremiah take a bit of interpretation but jeremiah was a prophet just before the the nation went into exile so he was a, a prophet speaking for god in a time when the government and the people had turned against god which is probably not a great time to be a prophet <laughs> Um, but God brings him this message and when Israel's in rebellion and the, the word from the Lord that came through, that, he, that was given to Jeremiah was essentially a rebuke to the king and to the leaders and to the people. Can you imagine when, when, king has, uh, when, when the king of a nation in those days had the power to uh, imprison you, end your life, whatever, just on his whim... And God says, go and tell the king that he's a bad king and he's doing all the wrong things and he needs to pull his head in and stop. Like, you can imagine all the things that are going through Jeremiah's head, okay? It's like, there would have been some fear, but God says to Jeremiah, don't say, I'm too young. 
Um, when I read that, um, and I was putting that in here, I kind of probably could have added uh, the words to die at the end. You know, I'm too young to die. I'm too young to die. <laughs> he says, don't say I'm too young for you. you. must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. That's comforting, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and don't, but here's the good bit. Don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and will protect you. And, and Jeremiah was obedient and, and God uh, was faithful in uh, protecting him, although he did uh, go through some stuff. The problem isn't that fear visits, because we all know that it does. Like, and, and faithful people throughout Scripture have demonstrated to us that at times fear comes and knocks. The, the, the problem isn't that fear visits and knocks on the door. The problem is when we welcome it in. The problem is when we treat, it, treat fear like it's our best friend. The problem is when we invite fear to come in and have a cup of tea and stay for dinner. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, don't you? When we entertain fear, when we choose to listen to what fear says, then it begins to cause problems for us. Fear is nearly always a bad thing. Fear is never a great thing. Fear never encourages us, does it? Fear never uh, builds us up. Uh, fear never gives us confidence or boldness to, to go and talk to people about God. Fear never uh, brings peace or joy. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. Romans 8 says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Fear is not from God. Fear is from the enemy who wants to enslave, who wants to bring bondage, who wants to tie you up and incapacitate you. Fear wants to stop you from being obedient to what God wants you to do so how do we deal with fear we deal with fear through faith which comes from God's promises to us we stand on the things that God has declared and that God has promised and one of the things that we read again and again and again and again in scripture which I think makes it fairly appropriate for this series about being on repeat um, is that God is with me. God has promised to be with me. Hebrews 13, we're going to look at. So here's the, here's the promise. I will not fear, God is with me. Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6 says, Don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. Now you might wonder what that has to do with you know any of this but what what the writer of hebrews i think here is saying as he goes on he says god has said i will never fail you i will never abandon you and you th think what's the connection i think the connection here is about what are we trusting in are we trusting in uh, our bank account as our backup are we trusting in our job our career are we trusting in money to meet our needs and to be our provision and to, to kind of uh 
to, to be the, the fail-safe, the fallback. If things happen, well, it's okay because um, I can afford medical treatment. I can afford this. I can afford that. The writer of Hebrews says, don't, don't, don't chase after money as your security. Be content with what God has provided you because God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Isn't that an interesting concept? Often we fear what people can do to us. We fear what our boss will think or what our boss will say. We fear what um, uh, other people in our life might say or might do. God says, hey, I'm on your side. I'm with you. Compared to me, what are they? What can they do compared to what I can do? Sometimes it's about perspective, isn't it? The antidote to fear is this promise that God will be with us. Now, there's a couple of things I've put here about when we talk about God with us, what does that mean? There's a couple of things that I've put here about that we read in Scripture about God's character. Now, these are a couple of big words. Um, I'm going to explain them. Omni present omni is from a latin word meaning all so god is all present god is everywhere god is in all places and god is omniscient omni from all science is knowledge or knowing is where we get the word science and scientific in terms of knowledge and understanding um, so God is all present, he is in all places, he is everywhere and he is omniscient which means he knows all things. There's no place you can go to escape or hide from God. There's nowhere that God doesn't see everything about you, your life, your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, your desires. He doesn't have to wait until you post it on Facebook uh, to read your feed, to figure out what's going on in your life. He already knows. He sees what is happening for you. A couple of scriptures here. Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. If you want to, if this is speaking to you this morning, I encourage you go back and read through the whole of Psalm 139. There's a whole lot of stuff that the psalmist writes about about this idea of God God sees me here, God sees me there, He knows this, He knows that, and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, we won't read the whole thing this morning, although I was tempted to. Uh, <laughs> Jeremiah 23, again, coming back to Jeremiah, and this is one of the things that God says to Jeremiah. He says, can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and earth, says the Lord. So God himself declares, there's nowhere you can go where I can't get to where you are. There's nowhere you can go that I'm not already there. There's nowhere you can go that I haven't already been since before the creation of the world and that I will still exist after this world is, is done and dusted. Now, it doesn't mean that God is in everything. It doesn't mean that, you know, every rock and tree and bush is, is God, but, um, but that He is everywhere. 
as spirit. And as God's children, I think as believers, we understand that God is not just, it's not just about God being present. It's not just about God being close in proximity. But we also have this idea, this, this sense and this confidence, this promise that God is with us. That God is for us. It means that, that God not only sees and, and, and knows what's going on, but that He is actively working for my good. That He is actively uh, doing things, He's actively orchestrating circumstances and situations, He is actively uh, changing things according to His plan for my good. It means that when we say God is with us, what we mean is that God is our ally and not our adversary. God is our friend and not our foe. <laughs> now, when, when we say this, is, is this kind of like one of those universal kind of things? Like, is this, like God is, is, is this one of those things where God is just for everybody and it doesn't really matter what we do or say? Um, I, wanna, I, I guess I want to kind of qualify um, some of the what are some of these next statements because I'm going to say that here's the question is God with everyone there are some categories that scripture talks about people that God is not with and I share some of those with you um, but I guess I want to qualify this in that saying these things doesn't take away God's grace we're not we're not talking about saying well if and I don't want you to go away from this or to understand this or hear this is uh, I have to be better I have to try harder I have to make sure I don't do any of these things or you know God's gonna like cut me off and and stuff God's already declared that for his children for those who follow him and are committed he will never leave you or forsake you all right but okay so that, that's, the, that's the premise, that's my qualification, alright? So here's some of the things that I think Scripture talks about a little bit. Firstly, God is not with the proud. James, you know, it's, it's one of those things. How many of you have heard, I, I was listening to a, a debate between a, um, a Christian apologist and Christopher Hitchens the other day, an atheist, and there's, there's just something about people who set themselves up and say we can explain everything we don't need God you know and and I think sometimes God hears those who say well you know we don't need God for anything we can explain it all without him it was quite funny actually because then the other guy says well can you explain this and he's like well <laughs> and there was like no explanation he's just like no, no, no. It was, it was basically, oh, we don't need, we can explain everything without God. Okay, can you explain this? Oh, we don't have to explain that. You have to explain that. Uh, anyway, it was, it was a, a strange kind of thing. But um, James 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Sometimes I think, you know, if you, you think that you don't need God, God will sit back and say, all right, let's see how you get on. You know, you, you don't need me. I don't want to force. You know, God doesn't force himself uh, on us. He doesn't force us to accept his goodness and his gifts, does he? So if you don't want it, that's your choice. He's given us a choice to receive or not receive who he is and, and what he wants to give us. 
but there are a number of times through scripture where it says God opposes the proud God sets himself up God is far from those who are proud but comes close to those who are humble those who acknowledge their need for him secondly God is not with the rebellious Isaiah chapter 1 uh, is an interesting kind of Isaiah brings this message and it's kind of a it's a it's a rebuke to the nation of Israel and he starts off and this in verse 2 he says listen O heavens pay attention earth this is what the Lord says the children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me I know how he feels sometimes <laughs> no no <laughs> but God is talking about the nation of Israel as his children and he's and you know and these these are children who have turned away they've forsaken his ways they've gone turned to idolatry and and you can read through um, that God is talking about all, all the consequences and all the things that have come to Israel as a result of them turning away from him and it's like he's saying how long do you want to keep suffering because you refuse to turn back to me in verse 15 because you remember in when the when the temple was was established and 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 they, they dedicated uh the te- and, and we kind of one of the our favorite verses from 2 Chronicles 7 you know that one when it says when my people who are called by my name um, will humble themselves and turn and pray and I'll hear their land and and that's one of the things that God promised is that when stuff starts going wrong when there's you know famine or enemies are at your door or all that kind of stuff come and turn to me and I'll I'll rescue you and I'll um, make things right and I'll restore and I'll provide and, and all those kinds of things but here in in Isaiah um, we, we kind of see a little bit of the consequence of an attitude of rebellion don't we when God says when you lift your hands in prayer I will not look though you offer many prayers I will not listen for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims and there's this sense in which God is saying if if you turn away from my ways if you rebel against um, my authority and and refuse to submit to it then what right do you have to come and expect me to answer your prayers number three god is not with the worldly james 4 verse 4 says you adulterers don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of god I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now I know that there's times, like for all of us, when we, we struggle and we wrestle with keeping our hearts free from the things of the world. There's all, all kind of different things, but what, what we're, we're not talking about those kind of momentary struggles or we wrestle with something but we you know we're trying to bring it to God and we're trying to surrender those things and submit those things to God to walk in step with him but I I think what we what we're really talking about here is those who who embrace the things of the world whose desire uh, whose pursuit is my self-indulgence my 
private pleasure to make sure that I get what I want and that's first and foremost. And James is saying, you know, if, if that's your desire, if what you're chasing after is worldly pleasures and worldly pursuits, then you're not going to be on God's plan and path for your life. You are not going to be in step and in sync with Him. Here's one of the things that I've discovered um, in, in my life, and maybe you've discovered this too, but God is not particularly interested in fulfilling all of my selfish and earthly desires. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> God's not particularly interested in that. And he says in, in Scripture as well, he says, you know, this is, <laughs> it's not his role to make sure that I get all of the, the, the earthly and material things uh, that make sure that I get power or position or wealth or status. God's not interested in all those things for me. That doesn't mean that I don't have any of that stuff, but uh, he's not interested in just pursuing my desires if if we kind of have a picture of God as the God who is simply there to make sure that my my human fleshly um, selfish worldly desires are met then we've we, we're not serving God God is serving us when I set my heart on those things when I pursue those things as my priority that I am not aligned with God. I'm not aligned with His Spirit. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And the other things that you need, God will provide those things, but your, your passion, your heart, your pursuit ought to be God and His kingdom. Fourthly, God is not with those who harbour sin. Now we are all sinful people i want you to understand i'm not talking about this idea that you know if we sin that means god's not with us anymore but there's a difference between harboring hanging on to deliberate sin that we refuse to submit and surrender to god we say god you can you know you can be in charge over here but over here i'm not letting go of this i'm not letting go of this unforgiveness i'm not letting go of this whatever you know stay away <laughs> uh, this this sin this selfishness this anger whatever it might be psalm 66 says if i had this uh, if i had cherished sin in my heart the lord would not have listened do you hear that language where, where else do we sometimes talk about the word cherish where does the bible talk about cherishing Sometimes talks about husbands, cherish your wives. Um, it's this, this idea of, of, of loving uh, and, and holding dear and treating as special and, and, a, and a kind of a little bit above other things, isn't it? And, and I, I think it's David here who's talking in this psalm. And he says, if, if that had been my attitude, if sin had been what was precious to me and I was holding on to it and, and holding it dear and protecting it in my heart, then God wouldn't have listened to my prayer. And he goes on and says, but I didn't and God listened to me, yay. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes I think there's, there's moments in our life when we're, we're praying for stuff 
and it's like God comes out of left field and, and starts talking to us about something else. And we think, well, God, what does that have to do with answering my prayer, God? Are you going to answer my prayer or not? Come on, let, let's, let's focus here. And <laughs> God's like, no, 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 no. The only thing that I want to talk to you about right now is, is this thing. Are you willing to surrender this, this sin in your heart, this, let go of this thing and allow me to deal with this area of your life? And if we shut that off and say, no, 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 I don't want to talk about that, I want to talk about this, then suddenly we, we kind of find there's this, this, this silence from heaven, isn't there, sometimes. Now, like I said before, these things, you know, sometimes we wrestle with this stuff. We say that um, it doesn't mean that, you know, if we're, we're, we're wrestling with this stuff that God doesn't love me, it doesn't mean that, God doesn't want what's best for me. He always does. God always loves me. God always wants what's best for me. God is always with me because he has promised never to leave or forsake me. But sometimes, let, let, me, let me see if I can illustrate what my, my thinking here a little bit just for, for a little bit of extra clarity. Sometimes we, we talk about our walk with God, don't we? talk about following that path let's just imagine for a minute that God and I are, are walking along this path together and uh, you know everything's going good and then all of a sudden I say ah oh, do you know what God I know that that's the path you've got over there but I want to go this way and I start walking this way you know what does what does God do like God is still with me right but I'm, I'm no longer on the on the path where he was wanting to direct me and to guide me now did god leave me no is god still going to support and encourage and prosper the direction that i'm heading no he's not is he because he's not gonna uh, that that would simply encourage me and and incentivize me to keep going away from where he wants me to go I would go, yes, you know, this must be what God wants for me because, you know, this, this must be God's plan for me. This, you know, and, and I feel like, you know, I start to think that I'm in charge and I get to call the shots. But really what's happening is God is saying, hey, come back. Let's, let's come get back on the path over here so that I can, you know, I, I can bless you and I can prosper you and I can give you success. God doesn't want to give me success in an area that he doesn't want me to go. And sometimes I think that there's a little bit of what happens is that we kind of go off on our own path and sometimes wonder why God's favour isn't on it. Sometimes wonder why God's blessing isn't in it. Sometimes wonder why there isn't success and, and prosperity in that. Does that make sense? All right. So God is for me, but how much is God for me? How much is God for me, really? How much does God really care about my life and what I do and whether I succeed or fail and, uh, and all those kinds of things? Romans 8, 31 and 32 is, is a great verse that speaks to this. And Paul writes, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us how much 
verse 32, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? This is how much God is for us. This is how much God was prepared to lay on the line in order that we could achieve what he wanted us to achieve, that we could be successful, that, he, that, that we could be victorious in our lives. This is what God was prepared to do. This is the lengths that he was prepared to go to for us. There's not really a lot more beyond that, is there? It's not, how much more is there that God could do or provide for us than what He already has? Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. This might be a great verse to memorize. If you're into rememberizing verses, write this one down, stick it up, learn this one. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 is part of Moses' final instructions to the people of Israel as they're about to go into the promised land. They're about to go into this country that God had promised to them. They're about to grab hold of their inheritance and grab hold of the promise from God. And, and Moses says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them, before the enemies in the land. He says, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you he will neither fail you nor abandon you some I, I think sometimes this is this is one that we need to remember isn't it as we go through life as we face challenges as we face obstacles as we face people who set themselves up in opposition to us as we face circumstances that seem insurmountable if we are walking with God then he says do not be afraid, be strong and courageous. But he says, you know, he says, don't be afraid. He says, I'm with you. I go before you. I'm before you and behind you and beside you, uh, clearing the path for you. I'm making straight things. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing situations and circumstances before you. I'm preparing a feast in the presence of your enemies. I'm already preparing the victory that you're going to receive if you'll listen and if you'll walk in obedience to me and if you go where I tell you to go and say what I tell you to say. And it might, the victory might not be in this life, it might be in the next life, the victory might be spiritual, the victory might be practical or visible or whatever, we don't know, but we know that God is working all of these things together to, for, for our good, it's for our benefit, it's for our blessing. God is not only present, but He is on your side, actively engaging in every battle, every situation that you find yourselves in every day, every week, every year. It doesn't mean that there won't be struggles. It doesn't mean that there won't be challenges, but it means that God will be with you in everything. God will be your strength. God will be your peace. God will be your joy in every circumstance. Let's pray together as we close. Father, we thank you for this amazing promise. Lord, we thank you that you are a faithful God, that you never, ever failed to keep your promises. 
And Lord, we know that if you have promised to be with us, if you have promised to never leave us, to never forsake us, to never abandon us, to never fail us or abandon us, God, we know that you will keep that promise and that we can stand firm knowing that that is always true. Father, we thank you that we don't need to be afraid, that we don't need to fear what people might do. We don't need to fear what circumstances we might face. Now, Lord, we pray this morning that you would help us to trust in that promise, that you would bring those words to our minds in the situations that we face this week and next week and next month and, and, and next year. Lord, no matter what kinds of things come upon us, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be prompting us to remember these words, that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are fighting for us, that you are, that you are always faithful. Father, we give you thanks. Lord, help us to walk in that promise day by day as you lead us and you guide us. Help us, help us to listen to that voice of your spirit, to keep in step with you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.